You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road in Hillsboro, North Carolina. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Amen. Uh, so, I figured I might as well knock out some business right before I get started this morning. And so, I know some of you uh, probably want to see pictures of John before I start preaching because you'd be distracted the whole time. So, I figured I might as well put the pictures up here. So, uh, let's go ahead and put the first picture up there. It's going to work. Let's hope it works. Might not work. You might have to hit that play button. John was born on, um, if you guys did not know this, my, I have a son now. Last time I preached, I did not have a son. So, yeah, so I have a son, and uh, his name is John Leland Talley. He was born on January 4th at 3.20 a.m., um, so I did not sleep that whole night. So he started off not letting me sleep, so it's, uh, it's been good. Um, but it's been great, love having a son, and uh, I'm just excited to I get to be a father now, and so I'm hoping these pictures come up. They may not. It's all right. We can move past it. No, not going to work. All right. No big deal. Uh, so, uh, but if you want to see pictures, I have some on my phone afterwards that uh, I would uh, love to show you of my son, John. But, hey, I get this morning to share the power of your personal story, the power of a personal story. And, and this morning, I'm, I'm looking forward to us unpacking Scripture as we look at John chapter 4. We're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning, and I actually labeled this message. I know the series is, is the power of your personal story, but I actually went ahead and, and changed my title for the message to Get to Really Know Me. Right, get to really know me. And so I want to just, before I even get started and, and because of the intro into the message this morning, I, I want to share just a, a little story, a, a little moment um, from my, my life and, and when I first got into ministry. But before I, I do that, I, I do want to say that, that I love that we're doing this series. I love that, that we're talking about tell someone the gospel message. It goes back to, to the vision of our church that, that our pastor, Pastor Bob, laid out for us. In that reach section, he laid out that, that outreach evangelism, the gospel, that we are to go out to our community, we're to go out to our workplaces, that we're to go out and share the gospel message. And so this whole series is, is around that reach Method that, that, that vision, that, that, that mission that's been laid out for us. I was writing this message on December 12th, and knowing that John was coming and all that, I said, I don't want to get behind. I want to get ahead. And so I began to write out some messages uh, for this year, and so I was able to write out this message for this morning. And so I'm write, reading over what is going to be our message this morning, and I'm beginning to just start writing it, I'm beginning to just read over John chapter 4, 1 through 42, which is where we're going to be at, the, the, the woman at the well, the, this big moment in, in 
when Jesus stops at the well and, and meets with this woman and, and there's this story, her story, and, and Jesus invests in her. And, but as I was doing that, as I was <laughs> writing this, and I read over the scripture and I was reading through what Greg Laurie wrote in his book, I thought about East Union Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee, where it was a second church I served in, really the first church I served in as, pa- as a student pastor. And so I, I just I was thinking back at that moment, and there was this, this pastor there, Dr. John D. Adams. And Dr. John D. Adams was a powerful preacher. He's one of those preachers that gets up there, and man, he is red in the face, and he does not stop hitting that pulpit now, you think I'm joking, but he, it was this, 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 this the whole time. And you're sitting there like, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. But he actually gave me, I went to, to get my degree at Union University there in Jackson, Tennessee, in youth ministry and Christian studies. And I had this, I felt called into youth ministry since I was 15 years old. But there was this point where I was in college and I had an opportunity to, to begin to, to invest in a local church. And when I was there, he, had, he said, Scott, you're going to go out with me every Saturday, and we're going to knock on doors and share the gospel. And he would take his Bible with him, and we would drive in his truck, and he would pick me up from my dorm room, and we would drive, and we would go share the gospel around our community, and we got to know people. But one Sunday, he was preaching, and he shared this, this illustration, this, this thing that, that I, I, really, I really have held on to. And this is what he said. He said, you want to know me. He's talking to, he was talking to the church that morning. He said, you want to know me? Then invite me out for coffee or a meal. Because until you do, you will never know me as your pastor. And that, those words that he said kind of just, I mean, just stuck with me. So I called him up. On December 12th, I called him up. And I said, hey, Dr. Adams, I'm paying to preach, and I'm using you in my illustration about this, this quote that you said. And he goes, I still say it to this day. I'm 84 years old, I'm still preaching in the church, and I still use that illustration that if the church wants to know me, they want to know people, they want to know someone, they have to sit down and have coffee and a meal with them. Now, I'm not, me and the staff, we are not asking you to do that for us. But if God speaks to you, we're not going to say no. But I thought about that because the woman at the well, this moment that we're going to be talking about this morning is that Jesus is traveling, but he stops and gets to talk to someone. In our lives that we go through every day, we go through this, this trail, this, this mission, this, this vision of I have to get through my work day. I have to get to the next activity. I need to get to my next class. I need to get to whatever it is, and we miss those moments and those people along our path that God has put before us. That we never get to share our story. We never get to hear their story because we're moving from one moment to the next and we're missing the moment that God has called us to pause and stop and get to know those around us. So John chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there with me this morning. Looking at the woman at the well and let me, just, let me just begin to, to just read this, and then we'll get started. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that, that Jesus was making 
and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judah and departed again for Galilee. And he had passed through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sishkar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus wearied, tired as he was from his journey, was sitting beside this well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now let's stop there for just a moment. I'm going to ask a question. How many of you have heard this story before? A good amount of you have heard the story before. And you know that, that it is the busiest time of the day. It's, it's the hottest part of the day. It's the moment where this woman is at the well and no one else would be there because she's a woman of probably a not good repute, not, not good reputation. And that's why she's there at the highest part of the day. But we also see that Jesus is actually, yes, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And he is tired. And so he needs to take a break, so he stops there at Jacob's well. I have some opening questions that, that I just kind of thought about as, as I was beginning to write this. On your way to school or work daily, do you ever stop and take a moment to pray over your day? On your way to school or work daily, do you ever stop and take a moment to pray over your day? Do you pray for your coworkers and people you'll pass in the halls? And the people around you. Here's another question. Do you ever ask God to give you the boldness to share the good news with someone? Do you ever ask God to give you the boldness to share the good news, the gospel with people? Point number one. Slowing down allows for life-changing moments. Slowing down allows for life-changing moments. Now, I find this in, in verse 7 through 15, and let me just read this for us. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy him food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it, it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will be become a, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so here's this moment of where Jesus and this woman of Samaria meet at the well. Jesus slows down. You know, I, I love this passage of Scripture because I don't like moving slow. 
I like to move at a fast pace. And it's hard for me to slow down. This message has been one that's been really been working on my heart since the middle of December when I was writing this. It's been really working on my heart because I have a hard time slowing down. I have a hard time of, of, of just really just kind of taking a moment to just step away from everything going on because I want to accomplish things. I, I want to, to, to be moving. I want to, to go after things. About a year and a half ago, I came across a book called Unhurried, Unhurried Life by Alan Fadlin. If you get a moment to, to ever get that book, I really encourage you to get it, Unhurried Life by Alan Fadlin. And see, I felt productive when I move around and get things done. But the rea reality is the more I'm doing, the less I'm act actually trusting in God. And that is something I have I, I realized, and when I read this book, Unhurried Life, this is a quote from it. I just want to read it for you. Rest is not a place I collapse into when I've finally done enough work. It's the starting place. It's the way into the well-fitting, easy yoke of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 to 30. What if we begin in rest? Would it be possible to do my work without getting all wound up or collapsing? Does Jesus seem to you to be all wound up, straining and stressed as he works? No, he's continually abiding in a place of peace and joy, affirmation and acceptance. And then Alan goes on and says this, when my heart is a hamster wheel, my inner life becomes a blur. Let me read that again. When my heart is a hamster wheel, my inner life becomes a blur. Why am I reading you these two quotes by Alan Fadling? This is why. Because I think that in our life today, that we feel like we have to accomplish things, that we have to go from one task to the next, that we never stop for a moment to allow God to move in our lives. I know that that's the truth for me. When I'm jumping from one thing to the next, I, I don't pause enough to hear God. I don't pause long enough that I'm able to, to draw closer to God because I'm going from the one task to the next. And I don't know if that's you or not, but that's how I am sometimes. And when I go to an unhurried life, a life where I'm not hurrying from the one task to the next, but I'm pausing and stopping and I'm making time to allow Jesus to be the center of my life, my life begins to change and actually has a purpose for why I'm going through the task I'm going through. Remember, I'm we're talking about telling your story. Point number one, as I said, is slowing down, allowing for life-changing moments. See, Jesus shared hope to the woman at the well who everyone else was passing by daily. People passed her by, but yet Jesus paused and stopped and met this woman at the well. Let me share a story with you. And there's a, a picture that maybe... This one will work. That should go up on the screen here. But I want to share a story about of a guy named Steve. A guy named Steve. Let me share a story with you. There was this boy named Steve. He went to a private school in Wilmington. And he was like any other probably Christian high school student. He played sports. He was trying to fit in his private high school. And Steve was a cross-country runner. He was able to make friends with a lot of people in the high school. But the problem with Steve was that he never talked to his lunch table or friends and fellow teammates about being a Christian or who Jesus was to him. 
Steve was able to go through high school and only invited one friend to church from his high school the whole time. And as I said, this may not seem like a, a big deal so far because Steve seems to be like any other teenager in high school. But looking at Steve, it is possible to see that nothing really stands out as unordinary. Steve went through high school with the same attitude or manner of just trying to fit in and be popular. See, the story changes, though, as Steve graduates from high school. One of his closest friends, a boy named Rob Gray, passed away, and Steve realized that he never once shared the gospel with him or basically allowed his light to shine. A year later, Steve lost another friend, and this time it was one of Steve's best friends. His name was Kevin Flood. Steve not once shared the gospel who Jesus was to him with Kevin. Steve allowed his best friend, Kevin, and close friends in high school to die and never hear the gospel message. Steve was never the light that he could have been. Steve never shined for God as he should have in high school. Steve was not salting this world with the gospel. And the sad part of that story is I'm Steve. And that's my friend Kevin Flad that died. And I never shared the gospel message with him. Because I was hurrying from task to task, from thing to thing, trying to fit in and go through the motions. Yet I allowed someone to never hear the gospel message. And for me, when I see that face, it changes the story for me. Because for us, we have to go through the motions of, of life, yes, but we also have to say, hey, God, use me where I am right now. God, I can't go through my day until I have lifted you up. I can't go through the motions of my life until I have prayed over my friends, my coworkers, and my family. I can't. Oceans of life and I miss out on, on what God has in store for us. If we pause for a moment, we'll meet a guy like Kevin Flad that sits at a lunch table with you for four years, runs cross country with you for four years, cooked out on a grill, eggs and bacon outside the high school, which that's another story, not going there. But we miss out on those moments. The main thing is, is we are to tell our story. Every testimony is valid because there's someone out there a lot like you. I can tell you your story. You were a wretched sinner. You were someone who ran away from God at some point in your life. There's a moment in your life when you realize that there was a God. There's a moment in your life where you said, hey, guess what? God, I'd rather give my life over to you than continue to go through the motions I'm going through. There's a moment where you went from hell to heaven. And that happened for each one of us. There's that moment that happens. That's your story. But the best part about the story is that you are now going towards heaven, that you're no longer going towards hell. You're no longer going towards the things that are going to distract you and take your eyes off of God, but you're going after things that make you become more like our God. The process of sanctification is what we're talking about. So every testimony is valid because there is someone out there like you. 
Point number two. Your story matters and shows God restored you. Your story matters and it shows God restored you. So build a bridge to connect with people. Greg Laurie, the, the one who is over, wrote this Tell Someone series, and the book and, and the things that we're working through in our connect groups says this. Don't try to win debates with people. You may have won the debate, but sadly you didn't win the soul. Christians are really good at debating. We're really good at pointing things out. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this. I'm right because of historical evidence. We can go through all these debates and debates and debates and debates with people. But you know what the one thing that someone can't debate with you? It's your story. It's your salvation. It's the moment that you were transformed from death to life. No one can debate you on that. So let us not be a people who are debating and trying to prove a point, but let us be a people who are telling people our story of how God restored us. We were once lost and we were once destined for hell, yet our God sent his son to die on the cross But on that cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God the Father on his shoulders so that we may have eternal life. And Jesus died on that cross, but he conquered death and he conquered our sins. He resurrected. He was not defeated by death, but he beat death. And he conquered death for us and sin so that we may have eternal life. There is a bridge that that Jesus built for us so that we can get back to God the Father. But how do we build a bridge to those around us? Here's number one. Don't glorify or exaggerate your past. Accuracy is really important. So is truthfulness. So don't exaggerate your past. Do not make your past sound more appealing than your present. Number two. Don't boast about your work, but boast in his work. We see this in Philippians 3.8. We are nothing apart from Christ. Jesus has removed your guilt, filled that void inside, and gave you a certainty of a home in heaven. You gave up nothing in comparison to what Christ gave up to save your soul. So make sure you emphasize, sorry, make sure you emphasize that when sharing your personal story, that God gave up, that Jesus gave up more than you gave up. Number three, it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about you, it's about him. Our story is the bridge, not the destination. The point of sharing your story is so you can tell his story, his love for humanity, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. Number four, speak in a language that people can understand. Get rid of Christianese. We know what that is, I hope. But, but you know, we, we use these words like, like I did earlier, sanctification, right? The process of becoming more like God. Don't use these words. Use simple words just to let people know the story. Number five is we want people marveling over God's story, not yours, not ours. 
The woman at the well told her story. She pointed Jesus as a result, and many believed in John 4, 39. Let's go back to the text. Let's look at this again. We'll start in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Verse 17, the woman answered him, and I have no husband, Jesus said to her. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one once said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Let's pause there for a second. Why was she at the well in the first place? To get water. What did she leave behind when she met the Christ? Her watering jar. Because she has experienced the living water. What she was there for no, matter, no longer mattered. She was now experienced Jesus, and now she left and went and told the people, hey, I just met this man. Can this be the Christ? He said of everything I've ever done. Can this be him? Verse 30, they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Right? They're confused over the situation. They're confused over the situation. See, our story is a bridge, not the destination. People can debate facts about Christianity, but people cannot debate your story and how God transformed you. The woman at the well experienced Jesus. There's a word earlier on that, that I, I kind of skipped over. I, I, I read it, but there's this, the Greek word is idai. And it's, it's that point of why was Jesus in Samaria? Why did Jesus stop at the well? And it's because there was a divine appointment. It means that, that, that the Father, not God the Father, said, made it where he's like, hey, you have to go. You have to meet there. You have to stop. You have to be at this well. It was a God-divine appointment for this woman to meet Jesus. And the same thing goes for us. Our story, your story, is vital and important. But how important is your story if you're not willing to share your story with others? 
It's the greatest story is that God took on flesh in Jesus Christ and would die on the cross for our sins. It's the greatest love story that I know and we know of. It's our story of how God restored us. So we must be sharing our story with other people of how God died for our sins so that we may have eternal life. Point number three. Our source of life is Jesus. So live your life on mission. Our source of life is Jesus, so live your life on mission. Let me read verse 34, 38 here. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving the wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. A few years ago, I preached a sermon right here on Jeremiah 8.20. Let me read that text for us real quick. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. If you were at the men's conference, you heard that text also. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. It's this moment where the harvest takes on life. It speaks that the harvest is past, the summer's ended, right? The harvest season has ended, and yet we are not saved. And we read here that it's harvest season. There's laborers out there doing the work. Our source of life is Jesus. So live your life on mission. When should we share the gospel? (laughs) All the time. We are to preach the gospel daily to everyone through our actions and our words. So daily. Why should we share the gospel? Because we're not going to be here forever. The harvest is going to pass at some point. And the harvest is going to cry out. The summer has ended and we are not saved. See, I get the privilege this morning to come up here and to talk about your story and I'm trying to, to show us this morning, there is, there is value and importance in your story. The point number one was that we need to pause and we need to take a moment to be with God, to allow God to be with us, that we're able to, to be a light to those around us. And we worked through that. We went back to point number two and we talked about how your story matters and shows God has restored you. And we talked about building a bridge and we talked about our source of life is Jesus and we're to live on mission. But here's point number four. When we are faithful, God is glorified. Let me read verses 39 to 42, and then I'll kind of bring this all together for us. Many Samaritans from this town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to say, 
just to stay with him. And he stayed with him there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. When you experience Jesus, you are no longer the same. Why did the Samaritans go and meet Jesus? Because of the woman's story. Her story caught the eye and the ears of those people, and they wanted to see this for themselves. The way that we live our lives, the way that we go through it, are we living our lives, is our sto- are we sharing our story that people want to meet Jesus Christ? Are the actions that you go through, the way that you live your life, are they making people want to know more about Jesus Christ? When I was also at Union University, I booked this pastor to come and speak to our college campus. He's from Birmingham, Alabama, and I I just I asked him, said, Hey, can you come and preach? And he goes, how long do I have? I said, you have as long as you need. Which I did not realize later that meant three and a half hours he preached. Not joking. But one of the points from his sermon was this. And it's an illustration I'll never, ever forget. But he stood up there and as he was preaching to us on the college campus, he said, hey, I don't know your story And I don't know, even though you go to a Christian school, I don't know if you really are saved. But I do know this. And this is the illustration. Let's say I showed up here late to church this morning. And I said, hey guys, I'm sorry, I apologize, church, that I'm late arriving here. I know that it's 11.15 or whatever, whatever it is, and I know that I was supposed to start preaching about 10, 15 minutes ago, but I apologize. On my way here, I was crossing the road, and an 18-wheeler, a Mack truck came and hit me. I apologize that I'm just getting here now. You would look at me, and you would think, what? You can say the word. I'm a what? A liar. Right? Why? Because I wouldn't be here. (laughs) If an 18-wheeler hit me, I would not be here right now. Correct? Great. Isn't God bigger than an 18-wheeler truck? If you get hit by God and get saved, you're not the same person. You're not. The same way that you would tell if I was hit by an 18 wheel truck is the same way you would know if you had a salvation in Jesus Christ. You're not the same person that you once were. That's your story. Your story is that you have gone from death to life. Your story is that it is no longer about you, but it is now about Jesus Christ. Your story is no longer about what you used to be and what you used to do, but it's now about what what he has done and what he's continuing to do and how he is drawing people to him every day.
Let me close with this story. I came across this story and it seemed appropriate. I heard of a man by the name of John Currier who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. But later he was transferred and paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee. In 1968, Currier's sentence was terminated, and that's about 19 years later, and a letter bearing the good news was sent to him. But John never saw the letter, nor was he told anything about it. Life on that farm was hard and without promise of a future. Yet John kept doing what he was told even after the farmer from whom he had worked had died. Ten years went by again. Then a state parole officer learned about Courier's plight and found him and told him that his sins had been terminated and that he was a free man. Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important message of your life? Year after year, the urgent message was never delivered. We who have heard the good news and experienced the freedom through Christ are responsible to proclaim it to others still enslaved by sin. Are we doing all we can to make sure that people get the message? Your story is important. I don't care about where you, if you think your story doesn't matter at all, it does. I've, I have students who tell me, hey, but I've been in church my whole life. My story is boring. No. Your story is important because you had godly parents who cared about you and godly grandparents that cared about you to make sure that you were in church, that you heard the gospel. That is an important story, a story that maybe sometimes we don't hear that often. No matter where you are, when you met Christ, it is important and vital that we tell our story to all those around us. So let me wrap up with this. I want to encourage you I want to really encourage you to tell your story to people. Maybe it's the person who brings you food at lunch today. Maybe it's a coworker that God has been speaking to you for a while for you to tell your story. It's not your responsibility to save people. It's your responsibility to share your story with people and let God do the work on their hearts and soul. Seven and a half times some statistician came up with. It takes that you've heard the gospel before you receive it and you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. You may be the first, you may be the sixth, you may be the seventh, or you may be that half, but it doesn't matter where you are along that journey. Our responsibility is to be faithful to proclaim the good news to wherever we go. Scott, I don't know what to say. I get nervous when I speak to people. Share your story. Hey, can I tell you a story? Can I tell you how, how something happened in my life? 
and just allow it to pour out from there. You can, at the end of it, say, have you ever had that moment in your life? If they haven't, then you can tell them the gospel message. But it's our responsibility to be faithful wherever we go. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you've been playing the game for a while and you're saying, hey, I know that I'm not saved. I know that I really don't have a, a, a relationship with Jesus. But I don't, I don't know what to do. Because everyone thinks I'm saved already. I can tell you this, that we as pastors, we as staff, we would love to talk to you. You can pull us aside after the service. You can reach us out in the hallway or up front, wherever you want to talk to us. We would love to talk to you more about it. Or maybe during the invitation time, the, the time of response, that you, maybe you want to come down here and talk to one of us. We are here. You can grab a deacon, whoever you need to grab. Maybe the person sitting next to you and say, hey, can we go talk? You can go in the choir room. You can go back out in the lobby. It doesn't matter where you go. You can sit in your seat and talk. But I don't want anyone to miss that moment to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But maybe you say, hey, I have a relationship with Jesus. So what does this message have to do with me? And I would say this to you, that, that, that I want to encourage you to begin to pray and, and ask God to begin to, to be the center of your actions, the things that you do every day. And begin to pray and say, God, give me a person to share my story with this week. And this crazy thing's going to happen. God's going to give you a person that you can share your story with this week. I've done it. I prayed, God, give me a person. Very quickly, a person came to mind. Very quickly, I was out to eat, and that, that, that waiter or waitress was there and had an opportunity to share my story. Just be faithful wherever you are to share your story. And make sure you take a moment to pause and to pray and ask God, to give you those moments throughout your day. Let's pray. Father, you are a mighty king. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And Lord, we move into this moment of, of response, this moment of invitation, Lord. And I pray it now, Lord, as we enter this moment, Lord, there may be people, Lord, in this congregation right now, Lord, who don't know you as the king of kings, as their savior, as the one who has redeemed their life. And Father, I pray now, Lord, if there is a person here, Lord, who doesn't know you, that, Lord, that you will right now, Lord, speak into their lives. Lord, have them respond. Lord, have them talk to someone, Lord, before they leave here this morning. And Father, I, I'm reminded of those words that Dr. John Adams said. You don't get to know someone until you've had coffee or a meal with them. Father, I pray now, Lord, that we'll take a moment to go have coffee or a meal with someone and get to know them and have the opportunity to share our story, Lord. Lord, give us that moment, Lord, to be able to share our story with those around us. And Father, in this moment of response, Lord, I pray now, Lord, that you would just allow this altar to be open for us to come and pray for lost family members, lost neighbors, lost co-workers.
lost children, lost grandchildren. And Father, I pray now, Lord, give them the bold, give us boldness as a church to share the gospel and to reach this world with the gospel. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world Take this life and breathe on This heart that is now yours Oh, the joy I've found Surrendering my crowns at the feet of the King who surrendered everything and all oh, the peace that comes when I'm broken and undone by your unfailing grace I can lift my voice and say You can have it all, Lord Every part of my world Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours.
can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. What an incredible thing to state to God. You can have it all. Um, for some of us in this room, that gets scary because there are parts of us that we don't want to give up. And it may be as simple as what Scott was asking us to do, just take the story that God has given us to, to, to talk about what it means to come to Christ. Well, what, what happened to us? That gets scary. And that's not even a really big, big deal. We have to get past that hump and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. Not just in the places that I feel comfortable with. And so I want us to pray that before we leave, that if God calls us, if, if we pray and say, tell me one person to share with, or God, bring somebody into my situation this week, that we would have the boldness to go ahead and tell somebody the story. That we wouldn't say, it's just not convenient right now. But we would go ahead and do it. So we're going to pray to that end before we walk out of this building today. And then I want to remind you that there are a lot of things going on in the life of our church. And we need to continue to pray that, that God would use us to tell someone about Christ but also to live out our life in Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.